0: When I show up in a men's group and you show up in a men's group, we're not sure we want to be there. And here we go into pantry, historical stuff never talked about, is I walk up to you and I pee a line between me and you. I create a territorial boundary. Now, you don't know I'm peeing because you're peeing.
1: Hey Pantry Fam, are you looking for more faith-based podcasts but you don't know where to go? The Access More Podcast Network has over 40 shows on topics like faith, culture, family, and entertainment, and offers a safe space to discover inspiring conversations. So if you're a fan of this show, you're gonna find encouragement, hope, and joy from other podcasts on Access More. Start listening today at accessmore.com. So what's going on with men in the church? That's the question we're gonna talk about today.
2: Hey, welcome to The Pantry Podcast. It is great to see everyone here, be here with everyone. If you're listening, if you're online, wherever you are at, we're thankful that you're here. And I'm Shay, and this is Michelle. We are The Pantry Podcast, serving up... Jesus, Jesus,
1: not not junk junk food.
2: No, this is an awesome episode, Uh, especially since you got to meet the person that we talked to uh, at a conference, and then I got to talk to him on the phone for a little bit. Great resources on men uh, and what men should be doing in the church or what we should be doing in life. Um, And I think it's a really important thing to dig into. I was actually looking at some statistics the other day, and, you know, statistics are statistics. They can be whatever they are, but there's such a huge gap in the statistic that I'm like, okay, this this is usable. Um, USA Today came out and said that women outnumber men in attendance in every major church. So we're looking like 20% to 25% more likely to attend worship at least weekly. Right. Right. 2001, uh, U.S. Congressional Life Survey says that 60, there's a 61% female participation versus a 39% male participation. So there's a huge gap, right? And then when you start looking, but there's some good news here. There was some good news because we're talking about breaks and builds in this, this <laughs> season. And so I didn't want to just pound it down on the bad side. But some good news on that is the number of unchurched men has gone down from 60% in 2003. And these are older numbers to 54% in 2004. Now, I don't know where that stands now, but these are movements in the right direction, right? A Barna study said in 2000 showed that roughly 75% of mothers said that faith was important in their lives while only around 66% of fathers agreed. Um, and so when we're sitting here today and we're talking about men, we we brought on a guest that, that could touch this far better than I could right now, because I'm still a babe in Christ and all this, and I'm trying to even figure out how to get my own local assembly assembly <laughs> moving. So, hey, bring him in.
1: Yeah. So I got the pleasure of meeting Dr. Roy Smith at the Christian Homeschool conference in Pennsylvania that we've had a few other guests from that conference on the show already, Dr. Roy Smith, he's worked for nearly 40 years as a psychologist and counselor to men and their families. And he also founded the Pennsylvania Counseling Services, which he began out of his home. And that's in South Central Pennsylvania. He's also an ordained minister with the Evangelical Church Alliance. What's really cool is he developed the K21 ministry to help men grow and learn how to lead more effectively Mm -hmm. and contribute to the overreaching goal of positively changing our culture. He's also written several books, including one we have here that I excitedly bought for Shay. I was like, this is such a cool book." book. The Inside Fatherhood, as well as a children's book series, The Campfire Gang, and many others that we will definitely link in the show notes. So welcome. Dr. Roy Smith. Yeah,
2: welcome to the show, sir.
0: It's really, really a delight to be here. And uh, throughout today's uh, seminar or podcast, I'm going to ask Shay some questions about that book, like what is on page... You know, six hundred and fifty-three, <laughs> seven, seven words down. It's a, a big read. <laughs> I'm, I'm expecting him to have it memorized. Okay. Oh boy. <laughs> I'll be severely disappointed if he can't do it.
2: Well, I'm glad the literature's sitting right here in front of me. because <laughs> Open note. Open, open book. book, please. No, <laughs> oh, we want
0: an open book test. <laughs> <Ay-y-y-y>.
1: <laughs>
2: but I don't mind questions. <laughs> uh.
1: So I think. To start us off yeah, absolutely um, as the only woman here talking about <laughs> men in church I want to throw this encouragement out there that this we don't we spoiler this season doesn't have a women in church episode spoiler and why because me for one very passionate about figuring out how to remedy this because of how important men are in the equation um, not that there aren't problems with women in church but um But the fact that there are things, it's not just that men suck. That's definitely not the reason there's a problem. The problem is like, well, what's lacking, missing, incomplete? What is bad being taught instead of, like, what's causing this? Because, you know, I think in that same survey, five out of six men said they were Christian, even though they weren't attending. So what's going on? Have we built the church in a way that it is more welcoming to women? Like, what kind of thoughts are coming to mind,
0: Dr. Roy? Well, that's a, a good question. And uh, I have a friend here that works with uh, Live Up Resources, a guy named Dave Murrow, M U R R O W, and he wrote a, go- a book called uh, Why Men Hate Church, uh, uh, probably about 15, 20 years ago now, at least. And, and uh, because I think the issue that you're looking at is a really important centralized issue in the church, because it's, it seems like when you can get a vibrant church men's ministry going, that leads to a vibrant children's ministry and uh, a women's ministry as well. And yet uh, I think only 5% uh, to 10% of all churches have an active men's ministry. And usually that is a, a once-a-month proposition, uh, maybe like a Saturday prayer breakfast or a Saturday work day anything we do for men is valuable and that's fine. But I happen to be a Penn State fan, okay and if uh, my team practiced like we men show up regularly in church, uh, the season would be a lot worse than it than sometimes it is. <laughs> okay. And so to me, you know we're at war mm. all right And God's created men and women differently, although they're equal. And, and part of it is uh, For men is uh, There's a little bit of a warrior edge Okay uh, Men tend to be more aggressive uh, They tend to maybe be willing to sacrifice Their lives more In a different kind of way In an aggressive response uh, the, the protective response And so You know God's created us Uh, to be warriors. We just haven't kind of at times lived up to the call. Um, Now, another issue is this. Uh, I'm speaking next week. We have a a filming, a new men's series that we're working on after our identity series called Honor. And I was preparing for what I'm going to talk to the men about in that series next week when we film it. And one of the areas that I'm going to talk about is the area of needs and how do men meet their needs and the types of needs men have. There's ambivalence in men about having needs. We don't like to say we have needs. In fact, needy men turn us off, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, If a guy comes and clings to a a male in any way, uh, there's ambivalence about that. And so one of the needs men have is needs because God created us. God is a relational God, and He created us to uh, have a relationship with Him and a relationship with each other. And sadly, we fail to see the the community, the our needs for social connection and community involvement. If you once a guy gets done his high school or college career in sports. He dramatically drops once he is out of the military. These are two types of things where men have learned to relate to other men. And and in some ways, they're forced to do it. And so men do not recognize the importance of their need to be with a band of brothers. As David and Jonathan had each other, we all need a group of people. We say this in, in our Knights 21 Uh, program, that if Jesus was God, and we believe Jesus was God, okay, he had a band of brothers. Be as imperfect as they were, they were a band of brothers. There were real conversations occurring there on a regular basis with these imperfect people with Jesus. And we say this, that If you ask the average woman if you lost your job, you found out you had a disease, you lost your spouse or some other thing, who would you call? The average woman would have six or more people that she could call, and around the clock, they would be the church to her, and they would show up. And the average man, Barnard's study, has none or one, and interestingly enough— most of the time, that one may actually be a legitimately biological brother. And so Jesus is God demonstrated we need a sense of community. Uh, and there's things men get from men that they don't get from women. So to me, when I assess a marriage, I like when that woman says, I've got my group of girlfriends I've got to go out and talk about, uh, talk to. Okay, because men and women use language differently because it's the sharing of the differences of the couple and learning how to use other men and women as examples. And that's the active church. That's the church that's missing in the men's lives. It's not just um, the building, but it is that interconnection sense of community. And men, a lot of times are isolated. I hunt deer. um, And so. Uh, right now I'm sitting up, uh, spending a lot of time in a tree. Okay. And uh, listening to squirrels that I think are deer and the, uh, you know, it's kind of the standard thing. I keep just the other day I was going, why can't you tell that's a a squirrel? You know, all that excitement. (laughs) Squirrels are loud. No, No, anyways, (laughs) they're just loud, you know, and and, you know, dear God, remove all the squirrels from the woods. Amen. At this particular (laughs) time in my life. All right. But but the bottom line is that, you know, when you when when I'm hunting, if I see a bunch of deer coming, I'm expecting the females to show up first. And if a male shows up, it's at the end. If I see a deer alone in the woods, I think it's likely to be a male. Mm. And so that, that there is almost some biology behind that. That that viewpoint uh, that's in males, the, the concept of testosterone, and sadly enough, Jesus demonstrated he had testosterone, being fully male, and yet he was able to guide that testosterone from a non-isolated uh, uh, way uh, because God the Father said, "You have needs for human male connectedness." And you should not remain isolated. We also know that the, that the, I, that if you're going to attack a, a deer in a herd, they're they're safer than when they're by alone. And so men put themselves at risk because of what you notice.
2: One of the things that just keeps popping up in my mind. So we have a, a life group that I that I teach every Tuesday night, and I have one other guy. It's me and another guy and a bunch of girls. <laughs> It's like, but, and then, you know, there's always that conversation with, with my friend, with my buddies. I was like, "Uh, I don't even know how to act because like, you know, how, how do I act about it? But here's the thing. Men aren't showing up though. It's like men men aren't showing up. So we're trying to make these environments, which then carries me to like, that, like there's several different things I think about when I think about like men in church. Well, some churches make it frilly and, and, and more feminine or, you know, what, what, what do we do, though? What do we do with these men? I understand that we need to break off and we need to get in men's groups. I'm men's ministry leader as well. So it's kind of like, OK, I, I, I get this. I understand the battle. I, be, I agree with you on the battle. I agree with you that when we stand alone in this, every time I was in the military, like you were in a deer stand by yourself. Every time I was in the military, I was never by myself. I was always in combat with my brothers in arms. I was always in like, you know, this, 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 this togetherness and knowing one another. I mean, I knew like, okay, this is like maybe too much. I don't know. But I knew every part of their body because we shower together, we do everything together. You know, it's kind of like you know them. You yeah. know their personality. You know them. Why is it so hard though for for men outside of These groups, okay. So you said Penn State, I say the Army. Uh, There's basketball, there's football, there's camaraderie, there's all of these things. But then we get into the church, into one of the greatest battles ever, and we can't get the men to come together. And, and, and I'm just like, I'm floored by this. And I'm hearing you. I hear you what we got to have, you know, because there's needs. You know, men don't want to sit there and say that they have a problem. They, they You know, the, the humility, the submission, all of these things that the church offers. You know, if you look at the disciples like you're talking about, you see that the disciples are being kind of submitted <laughs> in a hard-headed kind of way. Because, I mean, come on, Jesus had to tell Peter what? Get behind me, Satan. So, I mean, there was definitely iron sharpening iron. Is that where it starts, though? Does it have to start in a men's group, bringing men together to get men to come into the church, solidify that group so that they so it starts to bring them in? I I'm still sitting here just like floored cause I've been trying to do this for seven years and I'm getting a little more successful, <laughs> but I'm still trying to find this, this way to like get men to understand that there's really importance here, not just for their own lives, but like if they're single, if they're married, you know, eventually they'll be married, possibly be married. And then from there they have to become spiritual headship in a home. So where, where do we go? Where, where do we start? Where's the foundation? Step one.
0: Well, um, you know, uh how long have you been in the military?
2: Oh, I I I came in at 18. I was a green suitor for eleven years and I'm still with them at 50 years old. I'm just a civilian right. now.
0: So so at 18 you joined, okay. And from 18 to 19, were you mature? No. All right. Uh all right. So good. I'm glad you didn't lie to me or her. <laughs> right? We actually knew the answer. Okay, just so you know. All right. All right. So you weren't mature. Okay. Now let me ask you this: Did everything go good for you in the military between eighteen and nineteen? I mean, the military did everything you wanted, and you were really, really happy uh, to every day being in the military between eighteen and
2: nineteen. Actually, I I was, but it didn't all go perfectly. All right. (laughs) But I was excited to be there. all right. okay so why didn't you
0: leave that one moment in time like you just said you know you're an 18 and a half there's a bad day the 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 the, the sergeant has a uh, you know was had a fight with his wife decided to make you the the dog he was going to beat okay he is beating you why didn't you quit
2: I, I liked being around the men I, I liked I liked the 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 togetherness, the ability to to succeed, the ability to to kind of, I'm sorry, puff my chest a little bit. I mean, let's be, let's mm-hmm. be real. This was before Christ pride. Right. There was pride. There was a necessity to be around others. There was excitement in the things that we were doing sure. okay. um, and there was structure <laughs> well, and, in, and actually there was structure.
0: You walk in on that bad day. All right. And I'll speed this up. You walk in on a bad day. And you say to the general you say to your sergeant, uh, I'm sorry I've had enough of this, I'm quitting. What happens?
2: First they they well, it depends on what you have done. <laughs> I oh,
0: mean, no. they can, you just you it's your mood to change. You didn't do uh, anything. Oh, right, right. You just said, I'm gonna
2: leave. <laughs> and the
0: best I can tell, you're not allowed to leave.
2: <laughs> no, you're not You're at, not at, allowed at, to leave. Depending Another on the circumstance words, and how it came out of your mouth is depends on the next step. The next step might be low crawling across the yard for about 900 hours, <laughs> but eventually it's going to come down to the point of you're just going to listen to it you're going to move on.
0: That's right. Meaning that you can't get out of it, that you've right. made a commitment that you can't get out of mm. for whatever the external reason, and then that forces you to stay where normally beyond where normally a male would leave. Right. And and because you stayed, you had to adjust. And because you adjusted, you started to see the benefits
2: mm.
0: that if you could have gone into isolation and hid, you would have never discovered. Mm. So most of the time for a man to come into therapy, okay, personal therapy, they're mandated. If they're not mandated by the probation department, most of the time, not always, okay, there are men that struggle or know that something's wrong and they work on it self-motivated. But statistically speaking, most of the guys I've ever treated were mandated by their wives. They've Mm -hmm. said this isn't cutting it, and they've used their leverage to get that man to do what was good for him, which is to come into treatment. So now we look at the church. Okay? And first we have to develop the right kind of programming for the church. All right? Second thing we've got to do is recognize that men do not necessarily know what they need or what is good for them. And thirdly that you need that there is a process of male bonding that needs to be understood to create what you want. And rarely does a church actually provide what the male actually needs. Hmm. So for instance, okay, um, there are three stages to a bonding, emotional, connected relationship with men. And if you end up only seeing a person once a month, you're not going to uh, get to any kind of level of connectedness with the male. And so the once a month prayer breakfast, as important it is to acknowledge God in prayer, does not create the intimacy. And so we need to, as a church, create events. And so now the fir- at the beginning of the, the first stage, and I can't, necessarily pull these terms immediately out there in the my book, uh, why not try to hit the target? But the beginning is uh, of the, of it is that I'm trying to figure out if I want to be included or not. I think it's the inclusion I'm I'm coming to meeting with you because you and me our wives are wiser friends and they're going want us to go out to dinner together. <laughs> All right. right and right. we're spending time together, not because we necessarily think we have to be, but God has ordained them in our lives to become the next mm. mandate. All right. Because what do we know happens if all the women on the earth disappear? What happens? All the mm. women, besides men being amazingly unhappy. Okay. other than, <laughs> If all the women disappear on the earth, what do we know? We know this, that there will be no hallmark. Because I'm not sending you a card, brother. (laughs) And you're not sending me a card.
2: We might not even talk. And
0: and I might go, hey, you know, it's good to talk to you. Two months ago on the 13th, I thought about your, it was your birthday. And I thought to myself, when I see him next, I'm going to tell him, Three months, two months ago, I thought of you. I'm not sending you a card, and it's highly unlikely I'm going to call you (laughs) because I don't see it. So now we're out to dinner, okay, and she's making me get to know this guy. So the first phase is inclusion. I'm sitting there going, is this a one-time event? Hopefully it is. OK, or do I and then, you know, do I actually want to be included in this men's group? That's two people in the group. Do I want to be included? And mm. so there is a strong approach avoidance ambivalence. Mm. But let's say we make them meet each other, this group of 10 guys. OK, and we make them meet each other for uh, eight to 10 weeks. And and inclusion means that at some point I can't get rid of you because I got to show up and you're there. So I start to somehow include you. Now this is a very real pantry podcast, right? That we're doing right now. Oh yeah. All right. So we're going to, we're, we're going to talk about something. And and the neat thing about this is you can cut this and we are, and we can start all over again and nobody out there will ever know what we said. (laughs) All right, right. because we're about to do it. So what's the first thing I do when I show up in a men's group and you show up in a men's group? We're not sure we want to be there. Mm. Okay, we don't know what the benefits are. And so the very first thing and here we go into pantry historical uh, uh, stuff never talked about is I walk up to you and I pee a line between me and you. I create a territorial boundary Mm. to make sure you're on that side and I'm on that side. Now you don't know I'm peeing because you're peeing. Okay. (laughs) Because men are very territorial. Right. All right. And then we decide how are we going to tolerate each other's territory? All Mm. right. And at the beginning, it's like that. Okay. And what we learned in working with men is somewhere between 10 and 15 times on an every other week minimum and preferably weekly, okay, like spring ball, getting ready for winter sports, okay, right. getting that bond going and forcing you to be in the military, forcing you to be on the team. If I want to be on the team, I got to get used to this turkey beside me. All right? Mm. And so then you start to go, okay, okay, then this. So first, it's a, a dance. Then comes the influence stage. You know, uh, I start to be more real. I tell you my things about myself lightly. I like this or that. Uh, you know, it's light. You know, I tell you my politics or some other area. You know, not necessarily struggle. But I test you out, and you're starting now to move from the inclusion phase, somewhere between 8 and 15 times that we meet closely in succession, to the influence stage. I'm starting to influence you because I'm starting to tell you more my human struggle. You're starting to influence me. Okay. And so, so that goes on for a period of time. And then somewhere, and these are not scientific dates, so don't say, Roy, I went past that number. n okay, <laughs> um, but it's a theory. It's it's a, it's it's pretty close to right most of the time. Is somewhere around the fifteenth to the twentieth session, I come in to see you on my every other week or weekly thing. I've decided I wanted to be included in the group. I've gotten to know you enough. And been an honest enough that you're influencing me, because I drop the wall, the influence comes in, uh, you drop the wall, the influence comes back out, we're done the influencing. We move to the in- intimacy stage. And this time when I walk in, a unique thing happens. And you as a military guy would understand this because you felt it. And you felt it on your team. Okay. And it's and and you've earned it. It didn't come easy. I walk up to you, and instead of peeing between us, I pee around you, and now you're inside my territory.
2: Mm.
0: Now we have intimacy. Now I've created the relationship, which honors what James says, that we confess our sins one to another. But am I going to confess my sin in the inclusion stage and the influence stage? No, it's very tenuous. And, and I'm not sure, can you handle that or not? But within the intimacy, Sage, I could say, you know, at night I have trouble because my wife goes to bed and I know how to use the computer and go places that I shouldn't. Right. And so now we're actually enacting as the church. And so the church needs to create environments where the men are encouraged and, uh, subtly mandated to get through those steps. And I say this every time, and I've seen this nights, our one night's program is twenty-four weeks. Mm. Okay? Not five and done, eight and done. You pop it. You get because here's the thing. If it's eight weeks, the guy is spending the first three or four weeks deciding if he's gonna be in it. And then if he starts to actually share something, He realizes he's he's never going to see these guys. He's abandoning. So he starts to leave the group to protect himself. But when this works, the church has a problem. And and I love it. The church has a problem when this works. And the problem is, who has the key to the church? Because the groups go on forever. Mm. Meaning that what started out, without them being used to each other, they don't want to leave each other. So I ran for years a sex addiction group, okay, with every kind of issue men struggle with for years. Interestingly enough, 80% of the group members could have led you to Christ with biblical accuracy with whatever they were struggling with, pastors, missionaries, all kinds of folks, okay? And, And and I would be done group at nine o'clock and then I would get done. uh, I would see an individual client from nine to 10. We'll talk about workaholism in another pantry time. Okay. (laughs) And my guilt about that. And I would walk out at 10 and even at times I see a 10 o'clock client till 11 and I walk out and the men would be in the parking lot still talking. Hmm. And then I would say, now they're being real. This is working. And that time in the parking lot where they're desiring to not have that end or the person says, gee, I, I want to leave. I'm the one with the key, and I can't leave because these guys still want to talk. And then they go, let's go out to a restaurant. Okay? Right. That's the church. That's the goal. But we have to create the environment. So the honor series, the identity series, the honor series, right. we're on Nights of the 21st. these are all ways to get men talking on a once to every other week basis. Because the guy's not gonna call when he's in trouble. But if he runs into his brother and he and we've got that brother feel, then what will end up happening is he will tell his brother and his mm. brother will show up and help him. Right. right.
1: I think sometimes I know our church has done it where the women get thrown all these accolades because we're doing what we're good at even if we didn't have Christ, which is talk to each other and hang out in groups. And they're like, oh, well, we wish we could be like the men, the women's ministry. The women's ministry is so amazing. And I'm like, guys, let me just be really real with y'all. Women talk, doesn't matter what. If we're on a WhatsApp group, we're gonna talk, praise God. We're in the Christian women's WhatsApp group praying and encouraging each other. But we're gonna do that anyway, okay? Because we're women. You're saying good job women at being women. And you're saying that that's like this big spiritual achievement and I'm not knocking it, it's valuable. But I think that, you know, in a, in a five or six week Bible study for women, you, you come out with women that are friends for life. We made a WhatsApp group for this. We're talking forever. You know, five years later they're invited to your next baby shower. Like that's just how women are. And if we, if we model things for men in the same way as women, we're making this huge mistake because you know, women are not like, we're on a different timetable with a different set of strengths dealt to us. And because it works quick for women, I think then maybe the bright idea is to emulate and just apply it to men. And and that's what I'm hearing is that that's not it. And it makes me think of one of the things, you, you, you touched on it earlier and you, it's one of the quotes I wrote down from the talk I heard you speak at way back when, where it was aggression is good, violence is not good. And it's something that you need to train your boys. That's like because that was the context of, of the talk. But, you know, the pean thing, right? Like that, that's aggression. But we're in a society right now that says ag- aggression's bad, meaning men are then bad. Right. And a lot of just normal man traits are demonized. But really, it's when aggression comes out as violence. And the other thing that you said at the time, um, it was like the big one was that hurt men that don't turn it to strength will self-destruct and are willing to die for a final moment of control. So I think that a lot of these like windows into, into the mind of a man, it comes down to society has spent a lot of time psychoanalyzing women and then projecting that onto men. So when it comes into the church for those who are listening right now who who are like I want this 24 week thing. I want the men together, you know, I'll do my part. Um but what's one thing that the church, right, women, men that have drank the wrong Kool-Aid about who what men should be? What's one thing that the church needs to stop doing because it's hindering this happening?
0: Uh-huh. Uh, well, let me, let me just uh, a brief comment. You were talking really good about the differences, Michelle, between men and women. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you talked about it. Let me tell you another difference. If I would ask him what I said six, not six months ago and to give me a, a word for word <laughs> quote and for his notes, I'm a dead man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so when you're talking about it, you're even demonstrating further, you know, and I say words for women are an Olympic sport. Mm. Okay. And the man is, that's why as much as I am for your life skill group, I'm for those. Mm. Okay. Men need a group where women are not present. Mm. Okay. So number one, the issues they struggle with can't be talked in mixed company a lot of times. Okay. Secondly, um, okay, here we go. Let's have some fun. All right. Michelle, I'm going to pick on you now. All right. I quizzed him. What is one problem every woman has? Now, women are special and you're almost perfect. Okay. All right. But tell me one problem women have. Okay. That men that drives men nuts in a non good way. Okay. Do you have any idea? I'll uh, I'll give you a shot. And if you don't, you want to pass. Just say (laughs) pass and I'll cover for you. (laughs) But when I answer it, I want you to look at him while I I give you the answer. Okay?
1: Okay. Okay. So do you want a shot at the the, the problem women have? I feel like we have multiple problems, which is probably part of the problem. Uh, (laughs) I think that one is our desire to dominate. Like we wrestle with oh, that. We want the man to take control, but we also want to be the one in control.
0: That is fascinating. That's <laughs> fascinating. And I agree with you, but that's not <laughs> it. Okay. okay. But it is right. it. it is Should it. I look at him? It is. Well, now you got to he... look at okay. him. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Women have, now you look at me. Okay. You look at talk. Okay. look at her, him. All right. Okay. Now you look at me and she's going to watch your reaction. All right. Women have one problem in the universe. They're always going to ask you one more question than you were planning on answering.
2: <laughs> they do talk a lot. <laughs>
0: yeah. And there is an invasive quality about it. Yeah. Okay. Because what is not scary to them, which is a certain amount of connection and emotionality, is immediately scary to, to men. It's you're okay saying going vulnerable very very quickly. There's a there's a problem for that male to be able to go there. So what happens in a men's group is this, all right? In a men's group, if him and I are in a men's group together, and he's sharing, and he shared, and then he shared up to his limit and done. You know what he's going to do, Michelle. He's going to give me the male look.
2: Yep, the shutdown.
0: All he's going to do is look at me in a way, and and, and, and I go, if I go any further, I'm poking him in a way that I may not <laughs> like the response, okay? And I also stop because I want him to look at my look and stop. So they just sit and look at each other, and it's like, we've had enough. And no words are said. <laughs> By the way, uh, no woman has ever seen this look, okay? They do not see the look. He's signaling, and stop, stop, stop. He can't say, please stop, because then he's weak if he says, please stop. So he just uses the look that works with every other man in his universe, except for a woman, okay? And so why a men's group is so important, okay, is that one of the things I love about Knights and one of the the best compliments we get is he's starting to share with me. Mm. And he's sharing with me different. Now, I don't tell her the secret, okay? Because this would be like throwing a a dog meat. She's going to go after it, right? (laughs) He's going to go out on the edge of the hypothetical with me. He's going to share things he's not sure about mm-hmm. because I'm never going to question him. I don't want the mess if I take him any further and he falls apart. So I'm going to watch the look. All right. And so he'll go out on, on a new area of his life and then will share in these groups. And then when they've shared enough and they're sure, they'll go back and tell her. And when they're telling her, they're out on thin ice with the next set of Of issues. That's what she doesn't know. She sees. Finally, he's starting to share on an emotional level, and he and the woman is always. Men learn emotional development through other men more than they do women, and the reason for that is because a a famous book was written called "You Just Don't Understand." by a woman named Deb Tannen, 20-some, 30-some years ago, who was a neurolinguist. And she studied male and female language. And she says that a seven-year-old girl uses language more like an adult woman than an adult man uses language like an adult woman. That they use words, but they actually mean something different. And so men need... People who speak their language John Gray took her Research and made zillions of dollars In the famous book series Men are from Mars and women are From Venus but he stole The research not really but Everybody knows where it came from From a woman named Deb Tannen Okay and so to Me men need A place see the Ungodly culture hurts Men one way and women Differently and the way it hurts men, they hurt the women right. and the children. Right. And so we need to have, so your message of this podcast is so important. We need to get developed programs specifically for men. We need to get men involved in it in a way. And I will tell you this after that. We do a big deal about graduations where we knight the guys. And we say to the pastor, do it in front of, the church body, preach a, a sermon and then bring the people up and, and night the guys who finished it. And the women who are worried about their husbands are seeing the other women whose husbands went and they go next year, we want you in that men's group. And so the women recognize how important it is because they pay the price when that guy doesn't have a band of brothers because the man expects everything from her that he should be getting somewhat outside of her, especially if he needs to lead in certain ways and 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 at some point she doesn't think enough of like he does naturally to actually fulfill the assignment. And when she sees another group and she sees that, boy, when he goes to that church men's group, He comes back relaxed, he comes back focused. I can feel he prays different, okay? That's because he went someplace, because the way the ungodly culture in Romans, it says it groans against, you know, the Holy Spirit holds back the Mm -hmm. entropy of our self-destruction, okay? Is that it hurts men in the area of emotionality. Men have not learned how to deal with their emotions for the most part and as a result okay that's one of the reasons why they don't want to get together because if they get together and they feel each other's journeys they have to develop as some uh, on different capacity to feel emotionally as a result and because men deny their emotions OK, the woman becomes the emotional thermometer of the home. She's going to set up what they do emotionally. She's the social calendar. And when she dies, the male in the later stages of his life has a higher probability. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. A higher statistical probability of suicide. Why? Because she was his connection to the world as he understood mm. it. And because he hasn't developed that supportive system outside well, you know, of it,
2: when I'm thinking of that, so my grandpa, churchgoer. I mean, you know, from the outside, from me watching him go to church every Sunday, my grandma going to church every Sunday. You know, very they love God, they love Jesus, they love the whole. You know, they just the whole thing, very very active in the church, singing in the church, playing sax in the church, and then my grandma died, and I watched my grandpa kind of like melt a little and one of the admissions that he came out of after i don't know how many she was she was she was in her 70s he was a little older so but he said that he was living off of her spirituality and he had to refigure out his relationship with god and it's just interesting to me because I mean, and, and and life has changed. I'm, I'm sitting here listening to this because Michelle does not get that <laughs> in this in this house. Uh, maybe it's the 18 year difference. Maybe it's that I'm 50. She's 30 something years old. I've lived a long life, gone to war, gone to combat. I know that there's things that I need to talk about. There's Although I will agree, sometimes that last question, I'm just like another one. <laughs> but but but. <laughs> as I walked into the church and I'm looking at a weakness and I'm going to say it, I, I, we're, we're going to be pantry today, right? We're just going to throw everything out there. And and I see this Absolutely, weakness, so you know, it's, it's like, I, I, I look at men and I'm like, can I say this? Grow a pair. I mean, that's, that's my military mentality. Yeah. I'm like, grow a pair. We're in war. If, if you don't see what's happening in the world, if you don't see what's happening going on around you, And the necessity of being together, being a community, being able to stand together with one another, lifting each other up, encouraging one another, watch, fighting with one another, iron sharpening iron, getting strong in our faith. And and I, and I walked in. I'm just like, I almost completely just fell apart. I'm like, hold up my whole life, everyone's been telling me to, I, I didn't come to Christ, surrender really like in Christ till 41 years old. And my whole life, everyone's telling me how much I needed Jesus, how much I needed, you know, to go to church and how much I needed God and how much I needed the Holy Spirit. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, cool. Now, well, here I am. I hit rock bottom now. And you come out of this military, you come out of this world of, of, of esprit de corps and just brotherhood and, and, and fighting wars together. And you walk into the church and I'll tell you what, it was almost like a night and day shift and I didn't understand life at all. And trying to hear and hearing you say these things and hearing you come out and say, hey, yeah, you know, this is what we do. You know, we walk in when we first meet each other, we draw our lines, we pee, you know, and draw our line. I get it because, you know, when you first came into boot camp or when you first get to a new duty station or however that plans out. But boot camp especially, you had the street kids. And you had the sergeants. And during the day, the street kids were trying to be the soldiers. But at nighttime, the street kids were street kids interacting with one another. But as boot camp went on, and like you said, intensive, day-to-day, boot camp, boot camp, boot camp, the street kids, you might still hold on to who you were, right? But all of a sudden, a lot of that starts to shift off as you're with your brothers, And now it's no longer you're the street kids and you're, because, I mean, come on, boot camp stuff, you were fighting. (laughs) Like, it's like, because you're bringing the block back. Excuse my, that means coming in with the neighborhood, right? Um, And then all of a sudden it it transitions. And and I have just been so prayerful in our own church. And I will say that we're seeing growth. And you really get me, though, when you say once a month ain't enough. And I'm like, wow. I remember our first conversation, you told me that. And I thought, like, wow, we're doing a good job because we used to meet quarterly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, man, wait we're doing once a month and was the and all of a sudden you know <laughs> Roy tells me he goes, eh, but you're failing because because men need more and i and I get that as I sit here and listen to you, and I remember my story, and I remember growing up in the military and that intensive training, and then you know you get out to combat, and then it just it just keeps solidifying and building. And then, you know, it was funny about the military. You're sitting there talking about church and how the wives are planning everything and all this stuff. I remember the military. It was us planning the events and our wives would come because we had that, that, that control. We didn't have God. Now, now let me, let me just be real. And so that's why I think that I was so confused coming into the church and saying, man, the, the church is going to hurt. Not only that, but then, you know, one thing and we got, you know, probably another time maybe, but cause I want to talk to kids with you one day too. Um, But how important is that on the family and and the raising of your kids that you're solidified in your faith, that you're 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 good with your emotions, that you can be transparent, that you can sit there and share, you know, with your wife what's going on, because it's important in that battle that we have our even our relationship at home, our relationship with our men and then our relationship with our kids. I know how it was for me growing up with a very emotionless kind of mentality where I knew nothing to this day. I kind of sit there and say, I don't know. I I don't quite understand you know my own father. But I want I, I well, oh, man there's just so much you just make my mind explode. I'm sorry. That's just <laughs> I'm just like I floor
0: I, I want to ask you a brief are we supposed to be a little bit like Jesus or completely, completely.
2: like Jesus? Completely. Well, okay. okay, to the best of Christ like, yeah, right.
0: Like we can't be God.
2: I can't be God.
0: <laughs> However. Right. We can't be God. But we yes. got to be like God, right. God's character. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is. It's God's character uh, within us. All right. That's why uh, I'm working off what you said, okay? The most important th- verse for men, one of the most important verses in, to men is mm. Jesus wept. Wow. See, when you, now, number one, at 50 years old, a male starts to have different hormones slightly that allows him to feel so by the time he gets to be 60 or 70 as a grandparent okay he actually can give a different kind of bond to his grandchild than he can to his Mm. son or daughter who are watching this and it's a way to heal the son and the daughter because they get what they didn't get Mm. from this guy because he wasn't right. able to give it. So at 50 on, you have more mm. capability. But the the idea, Jesus wept, is it, it's, it's a challenge to say, hey guys, you know, Jesus made a whip and cleaned out the temple. Some of us are really good at that. Jesus washed people's feet. That's a challenge, okay? Some of us need to get better at that. But Jesus wept. And what happens is because the males have been cut off from their own culture, they can't grieve, and they can't expel in a healthy manner. Actually, not expel it so much as in the grieving process, the pain goes out and strength mm. is replaced. So when Joseph says they meant it for my harm, God allowed it for my good. It says he said he he say. In retrospect, I came to terms with the different griefs along the way. And now I see it from a wise perspective, and it has become my strength. But when you're split off from emotion, you don't recognize grief. I I get a dog it dies. I go from first grade to third grade. I lost my favorite teacher. Grief is all along the way, and women can talk about it. And then they can reprocess it and then they can actually extract the nutrients, the emotional nutrients from the sharing process. And the men, because they're cut off from emotion and that's why they remain isolated. But when we force them to be together and they actually learn because, hey, we're in the intimacy phase and so we've learned to feel with one another. Now there becomes a loyalty. And, and because I know if I share something with you, I almost become more myself than if I did it in isolation.
2: So a very important thing in some of that that I've heard, uh, just going back and hearing this need for men to come together mm-hmm. is for women to allow their men to go. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's something else that I've come across in, in my leadership is trying to get the wives to say, okay, yeah, you know what? That's a better place for him to be, for him to grow. I want, in other words, I want him to, <laughs> I want him to be better. I want to be more Christ-like, but I don't want him to go nowhere. I want to hold him down. <laughs> it's like, no, you got to release. Mm-hmm. Do a little bit of releasing, mm-hmm. so that he can go. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's that's actually a perfect segue because that's exactly what I was going to say. Oh, okay. I wanted to bring that in because you said something that caught my attention when you were talking about the the knighting process, and <clears throat> the women that didn't have men in the process before now realizing that they valued it, that they and it kind of was like a switch gone off. Like, yes, I want this now in that moment. She, you said, you know, she's like next time you're going to be up there, you know, now how does that play into, because that's the dynamic that I think there's a lot of confusion amongst women who, you know, we have to talk about everything to, to figure it out. Right. And so the question being there's, the way it should be male headship, you know, now, of course, if he's not, you know, engaged in community, if he's not digging deep in the word and the woman is, well, now the dynamics off already. But where is this? What's the balance when a woman is like, okay, next, like, okay, now go to this thing, right? Because that seems like she's kind of, There's there's the partnership aspect where you're loving each other and you're trying to lead each other to what's best. But then there's also this like strong arming, like I'm the woman, but I'm forcing you into this thing. And that can play its own role. And then that that also comes up against the women who are like, I'm finally seeing the value in this. You know, like the woman who always will go to stuff herself. But when the guy goes, that's one more. That's that's less time at home with her and the kids. So now she's going to fight against it. Um, which isn't every woman, but I've seen it enough in our local circles that I know it's an issue. So how does that all play out? Like, you know, when a woman's like, you have to go to counseling, you know, like, is she yelling? Yeah, like, how how do men actually react to that?
0: Well, OK. Uh, I, I always mess with the question. <laughs> so you just got that's great. Uh, all right. All right got to mess with the question. If you, the way you put that, um, you, you are creating a flow in a certain direction and how to answer it. And to me, I would say, what's her alternative? Is there an alternative to pretend to be a Christian wife and, and lose her love for him because he acts in obnoxious ways, because he has never dealt with his own trauma? And thus, he's unable to touch her heart. That's the other choice. I I was a youth director. Okay, I have a book coming out, hopefully, in the next six to nine months on marriage. Okay? Uh, one on male sexuality and one on marriage. And um, the editors are working now saying, boy, that guy <laughs> can't write. All right? And, um, but in that book, I, I said, I remember... A couple days before I got married and I I did something stupid. I was praying and I said, God, how many people as a minister's kid growing up in the church and having led by that time, because I didn't study when I went to college, I ran Christian youth groups. (laughs) Eventually when I got to seminary, I thought studying might get me where I want to go. And and I went, what Christian marriages do you want your marriage like? I'm in tons of Christian homes by that. I work for a youth center. I'm at Christian camps watching people come and go. And I had three couples Okay, in, in 10 years, by 22, 10 years of very act. I started working in a Christian center at age 15. And then before that, tons of churches. OK, in terms of my dad, uh, my dad's churches, three, three marriages. I wanted my marriage to be like, and I and when I did this, I, w- I was scared. And I go, what narcissistic something other are you that you're going to be any different from everything else you've mm-hmm. seen in the church? See, and my I would go to bed at night uh, and to, with a pillow over my head as my dad who built six churches fought with my mom who had a severe mental health disease that was personality-wise like his mother who told him, I wanted to abort you at age five, but I couldn't find anybody to do it, okay? So the level of trauma is such within the family system. Now, you're going to sit there and tell me my parents were married. (laughs) I'm going to tell you they didn't seem married to me and then eventually, sadly, around 24, maybe 26, probably 26 or 28, they end up getting divorced. And my dad has an affair, sadly, within the church structure. So to me, you know, if we don't, in desperation, if the woman doesn't fight for what she needs, she will close down whether she wants to or not. There's a night. A knight's code, a code of honor. And we've had pastors preach this. And then we've said, had pastors say, how many of you women want this kind of man? Stand up. Stand up. They sit down. Then how many of you men want to be this kind of man? They stand up, sit down. Then they said, okay, $25 a person. If you don't have the money, the church will pay for it. You go back and you sign mm. up for knights. And and people who said I can only get five guys out had twenty to a One one guy had said well, I can't get five guys out had a hundred because the pastor did that. This is a code. May the women who have longed for a world filled with knights not be disappointed. May all women feel safe, respected, and loved by the men around them. To our daughters, may they recognize the difference between a male and a man, and may they find Mm -hmm. the latter. To our sons, may they see our knighthood, go on their own personal quest, and take the journey of manhood further than we have before them. To the men who brought honor before us, we join you. To the males who brought disappointment, we offer healing. To the world in which we find ourselves, may you discover, renew hope, the courage to change, and the difference true manhood Mm. brings. And then the pastor says, do you want to be that? And see, the man wants to. How do we know that? Because if you have children, you see, with little boys, you've seen them grab a stick, put on, my grandson once had a, uh, a Spider-Man mask, uh, Avengers, something else in the middle, and something, uh, a different set of pants. Three different heroes, all in one fitting, okay? And that's and that's, that's inside that right. little boy. And yet the sinful culture that have hurt men for generations by sending them to war, teaching them how to shoot, but not teaching them how to okay. deal with what happened has separated from their emotions on their journey. And so men want this, but they're scared of it. And the church needs, if what's it, what's Jesus, Jesus, what do you want us to do? Jesus is a man. Tell me the secret, Jesus. Love God (laughs) with all your heart. Love your neighbor as -hmm. yourself. Love. It's emotion. It's not only thinking, yes, it's thinking. It's feeling. And men need other men to feel with so they can okay. be healed.
2: Well, wow, that's good. This has been good. Yeah. This is so good. This could go on forever. I know. Well, <laughs> we
1: our pastors are interested yeah, in yeah. like uh, a a sequel on site. So we'll yeah. see if we can work that out. Yeah, we out. want
2: to work that out. Um, and good, good stuff, uh, sir. I, I, I just really appreciate you coming on, taking the time. It's even got me thinking. You know, it's even, even in my like, I don't, I don't have it all dialed in. But you know what? I know that there's things to be done, and there's things to do, and we know that the direction of everything that's going on, and we definitely need to formulate friendships and battle buddies with our, with our men and our churches. Uh, thank you for coming on.
1: Yes, yes, thank you so much. And for everybody listening, you can connect with all these resources through
0: liveupresources.com
1: as well as k21.men to get more information on the Knights of the 21st Century curriculum. Um, You can also check the show notes for links for all of the various books that Roy has written and co-written and all of this stuff because we definitely can go ahead and make moves on this one. You don't necessarily have to be a pastor or even in formal leadership to do something that you've heard here today. So until next time. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the show. Subscribe wherever you podcast and catch other great shows on the Edify app, Spark Radio, Spark Network on Uplifted and Eternity Ready Radio.